0: Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They found him, and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let's go on to the next town, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. Father in heaven, we pray that you help us today. God, I pray that you would draw your children into daily fellowship, starting today. Daily fellowship with you. Help us, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There is not a person in this room, sitting in this room this morning, that does not have some kind of demands or expectations on your life. Some of you have so many expectations, so many demands on you, that you are running at such a pace, carrying such pressure, that it might not be sustainable for you. And when that kind of pressure is on you, and sometimes it's unavoidable. I'm not saying you can avoid it. When that kind of pressure is on you, something inevitably suffers. What suffers when you get busy? What do you put down so that you might pick something else up? How are you making it work? And can you honestly say that you have an ongoing, healthy, growing day-to-day relationship with God? We are on the front end of the gospel, gospel of Mark, and as Christians, there are certain very specific things that we actually believe about Jesus in order to actually be Christian. Several things. Uh, one in particular, we believe that He is our substitute. As Christians, we believe that we are born with a sinful nature. Adam and Eve, our first parents, we got it from them. Adam, the very first man, fell into sin. He and his wife Eve did. and We have inherited that and we continually fall into sin. To be saved, there needed to be a perfect man. The second Adam, named Jesus, came as our substitute. That is to say, as the perfect God-man He lived on earth, fulfilling all of God's laws in a way that we were intended to, to be in fellowship with God. Jesus, as the second Adam, was in complete and total, perfect fellowship with God the Father. But that's not all He did. As Christians, we believe that He goes to the cross, and there at the cross, what He does is receive the wages of our sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Jesus dies on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve because of our sin against God. He does that as our substitute. One of the basic Christian beliefs about Jesus. He is our substitute. We believe that He is our mediator. That on the third day after He died, that God raised Him from the dead. And when God raised Him from the dead, He ascended into heaven... There in heaven, He sits at the right hand of God, and He mediates, He intercedes for us. We believe that He has a threefold office. This is just basic Christian belief. That He is prophet, priest, king. That when He speaks, it is true, and we obey. That as priest, He has has interceded for us and given us access to God the Father. As king, we yield our lives to obey Him. We believe that He is the only Savior. That there is only one way for men and women to actually have fellowship with God. That is through faith in what Christ has done for us. We believe that He is Lord. We believe that that part of being a Christian means you actually yield yourself to what has been revealed to us as the will of God in Christ. But on top of all of those things, that we believe about Jesus, we also believe that He is our example. And today, I want us to learn something from His life that every single one of us needs. Let's take it in context. In the context, let's go back to the passage. In the context, you see this passage, it follows a long night. In verse 29 to 34, you know the story. They were at the synagogue, cast out a demon there. People start hearing about it. They go to Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law is sick. He heals her. And then after the sun goes down on the Sabbath day, people start showing up at Peter's house. Yard full of people. Luke says that Jesus healed them all. Who knows how long? You ever have people at your house and you ready to go to bed? And you're sending every signal. You're giving all the body language you can. If you've got kids, you bathe them again. Maybe they'll get the message. <laughs> Putting the kids in bed. Who knows how long the people stayed in the yard. Jesus healing everybody. It was a late night. And in this passage, what we see is Jesus sacrificing sleep. I mean, if anybody deserved to sleep late, The day after this long night, it was Jesus. Here we get a rare glimpse into the private spiritual life of Jesus as He has fellowship with the Father to get ready for the day ahead. Now, if a sinless Jesus needed to set aside time alone with God the Father, then certainly you and I do as well. Brothers and sisters, I want you to be spiritually strong. I want you to be biblically informed. I want you to be fully prepared for everything that waits on you each day you get up. We live in a terrible world. But God has put us here as true ambassadors for the name of Jesus. And if we're going to live in this world and be fully equipped, that comes from life with Jesus and today I want to convince you I want to convince you that life with Jesus is the life we need and if you are not daily walking with Jesus this is for you what do we need two things I got two points today I have two points the first point has six or seven subpoints, but it's only one point here it is number number one First point, we need time with God. You need that time with God. After a long night, people staying and needing Jesus to do something, emotionally draining night, what does Jesus do? Let me read it to you, verse 35. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, He departed, He went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, there are some times when there is a move of the Spirit, when God does something unusual in a group of people. Maybe you've watched what's happening uh, in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury Christian College. Not sure what to describe, except there's something unusual happening there. We we pray that God does that in our gathering, in our lives. But God has also given us, God has also given us Sundays. God has also given us a beautiful example of how we can be strong in the Lord each day. What then do we, what then do we need to do based on this passage? Now I'm getting ready to give some things that I believe from the text you've got to do. Here's the first one. You've got to act. You've got to act. You've got to put it in gear. You've got to stop wishing You've got to find action. I get that from verse 35. Verse 35 has four verbs, all of them action, all of them imperatives. The text says that he rose, he departed, he went, and he prayed. I'm asking you this morning to set a goal for this week, a real goal that you will actually have genuine fellowship with God. That you now make a decisive step dreaming about it, warning that, thinking it through, wishing it will happen, will not make it happen. Doing makes it happen. God has given you a mind, He's given you a heart, He's given you a willpower. I'm asking you this morning to set them on Christ and stop making excuses of why you're not growing. Would you this morning, right now as I'm talking, would you commit? Would you commit to grow right now? You've got to act. There's something else you've got to do. I'll give you another thought from verse 35. You've got to be disciplined. Disciplined. When I say disciplined, I mean the spiritual discipline, but I mean other parts of your life where you're exercising genuine self-control, that you're making real decisions, sticking by them, and you're doing what you say you're going to do. Verse 35 tells us that, that Jesus rising very early in the morning. Now, you're going to hate what I'm getting ready to say if you're, if you're not a morning person. You're going to hate it, but here, let me just say it anyway. I, and I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to be legalistic, but morning is best. Was that legalistic? I didn't mean for it to be. Morning is best to start your day with the Lord, to start your day with His Word to, to, be, to, to wake up and understand that you have certain things you have to face this day. Many of them are difficult. Some of them will try your emotions. And you want to be able to put those pressures before the Lord, to ask God for help, to, 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 to open for a few chapters and just read and gain strength for your soul from the Bible. To actually, in the morning, set the tone for the day so that when you walk out of that fellowship with God, you can go in the strength of the Lord and that the joy of the Lord is your strength so that regardless of what you face, you're able to? Andrew Bonar, who uh, wrote or at least compiled the memoirs and remains of Robert Murray McShane. We have that reading plan, the McShane reading plan. We know about it because of Andrew Bonar. He's a great Scottish preacher of another age. He had three things to say. Look at this passage. And one, he said... Don't speak to another person before you speak to Jesus. I would just add, don't speak to another person before you have a cup of coffee and speak to Jesus. <laughs> the second thing he said, um, don't, don't do anything with your hands, work, don't do anything with your hands until you've been on your knees before God don't work before you pray. And then the third thing he said was, don't read the paper before you read the Bible. Now, most of us don't get a newspaper, so I would just change that to, don't look at the news on your iPad or phone or on the computer or turn the television on or go to Facebook or check Twitter before you read the Bible. What did Dale Moody say? Dale Moody said that, you need to see the face of God before you see the face of man. What did King David say in Psalm chapter five, verse three? His prayer was, "In the morning, O Lord. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you and wait with expectation." Now look, there is no law, that's why I'm not being legalistic. There is no law. We just have an example. There's no law that you can't spend time with God in the evening that that really is the only way you can open God's word. and it may be that the end of the day, and you look back on the day, and you ask God to help you sort of think through what you've been through that day, maybe God will empower you to pick up the pieces of that day. But in the morning, see, in the morning you can ask for power, you can be prepared. But it does take take discipline. Most of you have some sort of self-control. Most of you have discipline. You you are disciplined about those things that you love. The Bible says in Proverbs 25 that a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Why don't you ask God? Maybe maybe you don't feel like you have much self-control. Ask God to give you a desire for discipline and then the will to take the steps to make it happen. Ask God, maybe even while I'm preaching right now, and you realize that you've not spent time with God, you really are trying to live on Sunday to Sunday, and just ask God right now to change you, to change you. Things we've got to do. What else we've got to do? I'll give you another one to consider. You've got to make a plan. You've got to plan. It's not going to happen by accident. The text says that rising very early in the morning rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. That doesn't happen by accident. Look, a lot of you have such busy lives with all that you have going on. Some of you have to get up so early for work or, or you work such late hours. or you've got to get the kids ready for school when you get up they're up. All of those can be good things but all of those can be good things that become obstacles to the great thing. So instead of saying well I can't because of this let's find a way. Let's find time before the action starts. Before the world is moving. I mean, can you imagine that night he went to bed and at some point while the sun had not come up yet, but it's past midnight, he gets up and, and quietly tiptoes out of the house. You have to make a plan for that. What are you planning for in your life? Look, with your busy schedule, with all that um, you have to do, And because of the intense demands on your emotions and your time and your mental capacity, you need the nourishing power of God's Word. You need your soul fed. A lot of you have lots of people pulling at you, just taking from you. And you need God to replenish by His Word and His Spirit. You need the healing power of God's grace in your heart and soul. Some of you work In in environments that just seem to take the spiritual life out of you, and and you need time with God's Word and His Spirit filling you and healing you. You need God's Word for the day's events. So you got to plan. Plan for that. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to sit? Have your Bible ready and set that time off. You got to plan. I'll give you another one to consider what you got to do. It seems basic, but um, it's true you got to get up. you got to get up. I mean, when you started right there in verse 35, and rising, he didn't sit up on his elbow in the bed, rising very early in the morning after a long, exhausting night. Jesus physically, he actually physically got up out of bed. Look, truthfully, sometimes that's the very first victory of the day. Getting up. Some of you won a victory this morning, and you came on to church. It's the very first victory of the day, getting up. Now, I know you like the snooze button. Everybody likes the snooze button. But the snooze button is a soul killer. (laughs) Did you know that every time you hit the snooze button, an angel loses its wings? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know? Get a hold of yourself. Do you know that I, I know people, I know people that set the alarm ten minutes early so they can hit this snooze button and sleep and get that like they've cheated themselves. <laughs> really, what I'm saying is, honestly, all I'm saying is, there needs to come a time where the the sh- there's a shift that you you love the time with Jesus more than you love sleep, and some of you work so hard that sleep is really important, but it just you. There comes a time in your own heart, and maybe you need to ask God to give that to you, where you just need, you just need that, you, you need that thirty minutes with Jesus more than you need the thirty minutes of sleep. There's a there's a press in our society to find balance in life. Balance is an illusion. Only people on Instagram have balance. We don't have balance. We, we're trying to pursue holiness and godliness and knowing the Lord Jesus and being spiritually strong. The writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 24, 33 and 34, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber and your want like an armed man. Look, I don't want you spiritually poor. I don't want you rested physically and spiritually empty. I want you spiritually fed. I want to be spiritually fed and strong and and ready. You've got to get up. And something else, verse 35, you've got to to focus, focus, focus. The text says it like this, "And rising very early in the morning. While it was still dark, he departed. He went out to a desolate place. That uh, could be wilderness place. He went somewhere where nobody else was, where he could be by himself and undisturbed. The greatest temptation I have when it comes to my time with the Lord in devotion, the greatest temptation I have is what's going on on my phone. I would would invite you to, um, to use another version of the Bible than what's on your phone. Put it aside and get your... One that's not your phone. To, to the best of your ability to find a way for this little bit of time to be completely inaccessible. That's hard to do. But to find maybe a half an hour or so. So you, can just, so you can just feast on a few chapters of the Bible. So you can read the Bible a little bit, think about what you read, what that might mean. To have a genuine fellowship with God because of what Christ has done for you. It's almost it's almost impossible to do if you're not able to focus. If the sun has come up and the world has started and the kids are up, if the TV is on, I would even say if you're driving into work and listening. Like I love the Dwell app. Dwell app. I like the fighter verses. I can memorize scriptures on my phone. Dwell apps on my phone. I can listen to the Bible. It's not the same driving in Charlotte traffic listening to the Bible. You might need to do that just to keep you from cussing but, but I don't know that I would count that as my time with the Lord because you can't really you can hear it and it's extra and it's a good thing to do but is that really the or you've focused your attention to hear and absorb and digest and think to listen when you're getting ready it's a good thing they're all great but they're not really focused time with God. The the model of Jesus for us is that He found a desolate place where He could not be disturbed. Nobody else was. It was Him and God. What do you do when you get there, verse 35? Well, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. This is why I think most Christians are weak. We forget to actually pray. Three times in the book of Mark, we find Jesus alone with God praying. We have him here in chapter 1. Then in chapter 6, before he walks on the water and they think he's a ghost. Remember that? And then, and then over in Mark 14, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's pouring himself out to God. When you, when you pray, what do you do? I would just give a, a couple of suggestions. A lot of you are familiar with the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. If you're not, you might want to write it down. ACTS is a good structure for praying, A-C-T-S, A for adoration. It's a good way to start to express your love to God, that you love Him for who He is, His holiness, His purity, His goodness and grace. Uh, To start off with adoration. And then from adoration to go into confession, C, confession. To confess your own shortcomings and sins and things you are aware of. then But don't just stop with confessing your sin. Confess the good grace of God given to you at at the cross. Confess the forgiveness and the adoption that you have as a child of God. And then thank God. The T is thank. Thank God for His goodness in your life, for His provision, for the things that He's given you. Even for the hard times, thank Him. That in His sovereign hand, He's brought you through that to discipline you. And then the S is for supplication. Supplication that is to ask God to to do something, to intervene. You ask God to save someone you love or to heal someone in need or to give you strength for the next day. You you ask Him for something. And if you do that, there's, there's time spent in prayer. If that's too much for you, just do the concentric circles. Start with the humans, the human beings in your house. Pray for them and yourself. And if you don't have anybody but you in that place, then that's a short time of prayer. You pray for yourself and then get that circle out a little wider to your friends and family, the people you work with, include your church, pray for me, and keep going around circles, expanding, ever widening. Or or if you have some time, get a notebook and write down. If you don't have the time to actually write out your prayers like you would a letter, you can... Maybe write down a name and put the circumstance. Or if you don't want to put that in print, put an asterisk. You'll remember that. and Pray for those names. And and you'll have a record of that. You can go back years from now and look how God has worked. All I'm saying is to pray, to ask God, to tell God, to, to confess to God, to praise God and thank God. You've got to pray. I'll give you another one. I think you need to do. I certainly need to do. You've got to say no. You've got to say no. Go with me there. Let's go to the passage. Let's see what's happening. You know that Jesus, verse 35, is going out to the solitary place and prayed. Verse 36, pick up the action. And Simon, that's Peter, and Simon and those who are with him. They're not called disciples yet. They're just three or four of them. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. That's an aggressive word. At some point, Simon woke up and maybe found out Jesus is not here anymore. Now, it's been really something. Everybody in in all of Capernaum has heard about Jesus. People from around the the county are coming in from Galilee. His popularity has skyrocketed. So Simon gets up. He says, James and John, y'all go to the synagogue. Y'all run to the market. See if you can find Jesus. Everybody is looking for Him in verse 36. They found to Him and they said, Everyone is looking for you. The crowds are there. The urgency is high. A lot of them have very real needs, Jesus. They need to be healed. You need to get back and do that. The momentum... Of this beginning is unbelievable. If you if you don't get back, we're gonna miss our chance, miss your chance. Ever have the fear of missing out? My my day starts early, mostly because the people I work with start early. My and if I'm not careful, I because sometimes there's a conversation going on on text right. I want to know what they're saying and yet I've not spent any time with, with God they have a fear of missing opportunities missing conversations to, to carve out time with God something good needs to either be put aside scheduled differently or postponed I tell you why I'm pressing on this so hard Because you and I are in genuine, genuine spiritual warfare. You have been adopted as a child of God and enlisted in the army of God. And an army fights a spiritual warfare. And for you to fight correctly, you've got to be well fed and fully equipped. Some of you are trying to live from Sunday to Sunday. We need life with Jesus, you see. Life with Jesus is the life we need. We need time with God. I want to give you one more. I'll give you one very brief point. We need time with God, and I'll end with this. Number two, we need a clear gospel focus. Join me there, verse 37. So verse 35, Jesus went off to a solitary place, verse 36. Simon and his friends are looking for him. Verse 37 and verse 38. And verse 39. They found them and said to him, Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let's go on to the next towns, that I might preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went through all of throughout all of Galilee preaching in the synagogues, and casting out demons. They've not yet understood. They find Jesus and they say, look, everybody's waiting back in the yard again. Your popularity has skyrocketed all around Galilee. They know what you can do. People are coming to be healed. And Jesus, in verse 38, He says, that's that's not why I'm here. Not the crowd, not the... Not the crowd, not the spectacular, not the popularity. Not even the healing. See what he says, verse 38? That's not why I came out. Let's go to the next town so that I can preach. That's why I came out. I think I think we need to, I think we need to watch out for what's popular. And be careful for what is popular and persuasive. I think Mark Dever said it said it really well. And we, we've seen this in our in our own society. We see it in the culture we live in right now. What is popular, what is popular can become normal, and what is normal eventually becomes right. What is popular can become normal. What is normal then will be seen as right. Look, when we become so sensitive to those around us that we become actually insensitive to God, then we miss the whole point of of why we are here. And in verse 38, Jesus gives the very first course correction for the early group of disciples. Look again what He says, verse 38. Let us go to the towns, to the next towns, that I may preach there for that. Not the healing. That's why I came out. I came to proclaim. What did he proclaim? The saving message of the gospel of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is here in the person of Jesus, that Jesus himself came to actually reveal The message of salvation that is in Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. The gospel which is about him and for him preached by him. You know, years later, the Apostle Paul sums it up for us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. This is what Paul says about Jesus that He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether it's thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's he's the head of the body, which is the church. He's the beginning. He's He's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, that is, first. You see, in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. You see, he has made peace by the blood of his cross. It's what I want you to have the reconciling peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ. I want you to have the daily strong fellowship nourishing your soul on His Word, pouring out your soul in prayer. I want you to have life with Jesus because life with Jesus is the life we need. To have that, we need time with God. To have that, we need clear gospel focus. In just a moment, we're going to sing our invitation song, and I just want to invite you church this size with this many people i know there are men and women here that today need to commit spending time with god i've told you how to do it with a simple opening the bible reading and praying and trusting that god will use that as we sing today if you'd like to come forward and just pray and ask god to give you strength or have a pastor pray with you that would be a great time to do that and maybe you've heard this today and, and you heard what it means to be a Christian on the front end of the message. You're not sure you've trusted in Christ and you'd like to solidify that. When we sing, now's the time to come and ask God to help you. Our pastors will be here or we'll be very glad to talk to you after church if you're not comfortable with coming forward. As we sing, we'll invite you to come forward. Do you join me as we pray together? <clears throat> Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Jesus I pray that by Your Spirit, You would give us a conviction, a decisive change. Lord, find us faithful, make us strong, and use us for the glory of the name of Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen.